1: Welcome to slumber podcast massacre with TNA that's Tim that's Andy and this is a movie about uh, this is a podcast about horror (laughs) Uh, every week Tim and I get together and we talk about a different film from the horror genre from your well-known classics down to that rare gem that's not hip-hop it's electric prick at the back of your video store shelf. This week, Tim and I are talking about the uh, 2004. Oh, this is uh, part of our continuing for the month of April miniseries on horror comedies. Slaughter. We're going to do 2004's Shaun of the Dead. Tim, yes. in advance, I apologize for the passive aggressiveness of this question, but I couldn't <laughs> help myself. Uh, there's a zombie apocalypse and you've been told to stay indoors. Where do you go?
0: Well, because th- <laughs> I a, know you're not staying indoors. No, 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 no. But 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 it does bring up a great question. Um, here's the thing. If anything, it, it kind of makes me feel like I need to kick myself in the ass because there's this thing called a bug out bag. And a, what a bug out bag is, is um, a bag that you should have prepared for any sort, any sort of like yeah. um, whether it's an apocalypse. Flight, or yeah, else. just quick flight. And there's even like there's videos, there's books, there's seminars to tell you what to put in the bug out bag, some basic skills, survival, survival skills that you should learn there's actually a place in Anderson, Indiana, uh, where you can go and stay for the weekend and they will teach you how to like trap small game. They'll teach you how to make fire with a Flint. They'll, they'll teach you all of these like basic survival things. And I am fucking dying to go. Like (laughs) I can't find one other human being that I know that would be slightly interested in doing this, but I, I would love it because it's, it's, it's the reason why I fight train. Like I love martial arts, I love ninjas as a kid and everything. But I I really at the heart of of my fight training is to, that I I want that skill set if it's ever needed. So, yes, an answer to your question, no. <laughs> I I logic would have it that I would go to the basement. I have a nice setup, I've got a basement, it's a cellar. Does have windows, which is an issue, but they're easily boarded up. They're not big windows, so that's good. I also have what I call a like uh Wizard of Oz door, which is one of those like doors that just leads out like steps oh, yeah, up cellar to the door. outside. Yeah. So yeah, so I can get out if I have to. Um, I do like the fact that it's pretty well fortified down there. Also, me being the pack rat that that I am, that if for whatever reason in a zombie apocalypse having like every single bit of homework that my daughters did in second grade somehow defeats zombies i'll be fine (laughs) i'll be totally fine i can't throw anything away so there's a lot down there there's a peace pipe there's some finger painting i mean i i've got a lot there's a lot of uh dryer lint that i don't know why i just that's dangerous that could help yeah (laughs) yeah inhale this for 45 (laughs) minutes zombie (laughs) Um, so yeah, no, but me being me, if it was just, well, I'll answer your question straightforward. If it was just me and none of my loved ones were here, the first fucking thing I would do would be to go outside and jump in my midlife crisis hot rod (laughs) and go find all of the people that I love and just work a ladder and just punch and kick everybody that i could to get to them make sure they were that
1: was gonna be my original question what what five people would you save (laughs) that's
0: okay yeah i'm glad you didn't ask that i mean i i could i could answer it already sounded
1: like you were going to start crying just at the idea of that question so yeah we'll skip that one because this is a this is an episode about comedy tim no tears yes although there are some tears in this in this uh movie i'll say oh yeah uh the movie what's the movie it's Shaun of the dead tim uh, from 2004 it was written by edgar wright and simon pegg directed by edgar wright starring simon pegg nick frost kate ashfield a slew of others uh budget 6.1 million box office 30 million although that is not uh, reflective of its influence yeah influence and standing uh, i guess is what I sure say uh because yeah and there and there's an anniversary we're
0: god dang it i should yeah just, it just came out like within the week or like 10 days ago yeah 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 like we're sitting within it's like perfect timing we didn't even yeah. plan this but yeah it's
1: to us yeah
0: yeah um no you're you're right It uh it's it's an amazing movie, and I'm, I'm going to get this right out of the way because I hinted at it. And by hinted, I mean came right out and said it in the last episode that I think this is a perfect film. I challenged myself uh, when rewatching it again, whether I was going to stand by that or not. And I, I, I stand by it more fervently than, than I ever have. I, I, I literally believe that this is a perfect horror film. I also believe that it's a perfect film. I believe it's perfect. I believe that there are zero flaws. I believe that there are zero weak performances. There's no weakness in the directing. There's no weakness in the editing. There's no weakness in the writing. I believe that it is absolutely tens across the board in any category you could find. So (laughs) having gotten that out of the way, where do I go from there? Um, You know, uh, uh, let's just, let's, I think we should start at the beginning because I think that the strength of this movie starts with the strengths and the support and fortification of its beginnings, which is a TV show called Spaced. Now, I've never watched one episode of Spaced. I I watched some scenes so I could get a feel for the aesthetics of the show. Yeah, yeah. But it was um, it's a popular British sitcom, albeit not the the traditional three camera sitcom. It's it's filmed as a one camera, which gives it more of a film type feel. Yeah. And uh, filmed uh, directed by Edgar Wright, starring Simon Pegg, starring the uh, oh, the actress that is uh, uh, Sean's ex-girlfriend. Yeah. And uh, also it includes Nick Frost. And yeah. so what
1: you There got- are a lot of like little cameos too of other people from that show. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For cameos- and I've not never seen it either. And I don't know why. Because it, it seems like it's on my alley. But I did start watching it. I was It was one of those. I was doing something else. I'm like, I'll put on spaced. And I realized very quickly, like, you have to pay attention to this. Like, I can't have it on in the background, mm-hmm. you know. Right. It's there. So there's so much detail like this movie. Like,
0: yeah, can't just it's not a passive thing that you can uh, experience. Right. And that's where and, and this is just a uh, just a, a warning, <laughs> a sensory warning to our <laughs> listeners. It's been a little little while since our loyal listeners have had to endure me overusing the words craftsmanship. Like, <laughs> get ready, because this movie is filled with it. From the from the ground up, it is. Um, so, yeah, you've got Spaced. And here's the, the great origins of this. This is a really organic build to what became Shaun of the Dead. So you've got this TV show where Simon Pegg, just to do a quick rundown this is a guy that just did it by the numbers he went to university and studied you know film and television and theater uh graduated wanted to go into stand up comedy but um you know spent his time appearing on various tv shows uh for let's say 3 4 years after graduating from uh from school and uh develops you know has enough of of a a little bit of a grip in the industry to then now propose his own show, which is spaced and Edgar Wright, his friend is, is directing Edgar Wright at this time while doing spaced is sort of developing his visual style, which is very, it's kind of like the antithesis to Kubrick. It's very much more like of the Sam Raimi school of filmmaking, Um, With a lot of it's very urgent. It's very active. There's a lot of in-camera transitions, which we'll talk a lot about because it's a huge part of Shaun of the Dead. Um, And then you've got this sweet introduction of Nick Frost. This is (laughs) this is the shit dreams are made of. Oh, yeah. Nick Frost is just a guy. He's just he's just a fucking waiter at a Mexican (laughs) restaurant in England. Okay. you can't get any more like not, you know, it's it's not like his, you know, dad was a producer and his mom was an actress. Right. He's a fucking waiter at a Mexican restaurant in England, which I imagine it does have its, its certain, you know, attraction in, in that neck of the woods. But anyhow. So Simon Pegg is already in the business. He's already acting. He's already appearing in things. And he just develops this kinship with this waiter at this Mexican restaurant. And then they move in together and their lives are very much built around, you know, partying, playing video games, laying around and just doing what they do, which got really sort of infused into the spaced Show so much so that they wrote in a part for Nick Frost. Like, hey, this oh, is—he f- wasn't originally part of it? it. No, he was. He was just his Simon Pegg's waiter friend. Holy shit! All right, and I they're like know that about him, who had no acting experience, and they said this what guy's really funny. F- yeah, what a gift, dude! <laughs> uh, there is, That's there blow- is that
1: blows me away. <laughs> knowing that
0: now, there's no overstating. How amazing of of a of an example of lightning in a bottle that Nick Frost is from waiter to well, (laughs) he's not the first waiter to actor that's ever existed. okay but I mean, like a waiter that has no intentions of being an actor. Right. And then suddenly, oh, by the way, you just happen to be extremely fucking gifted at this. (laughs) Right. Oh, it's it, it literally it's enough to make you want to pass out, like just to know that it was that that it was much it's a, how I
1: based my career. I was like, I'm just going to meet some people, hope one of them hits it big. And I'm just going to be like, you yeah, just let, let me do some supporting work in your stuff. None of them have yet, but fingers crossed still. <laughs>
0: Yeah, like maybe I'll just be a waiter with no intention of getting into like chaos math and just like (laughs) wait on really smart, like astrophysicists, physicists. I don't even know what they are. I don't even know what the job. They're astrophysicists, but maybe I'll get really smart by just serving them some nachos. (laughs) Um, But anyhow, yeah, so it's that crazy that you that there's this friendship and that is really the stepping stone that leads us into what makes Shaun of the Dead so great. It's because, I mean, what do you want to call this movie? (laughs) Do you want to call it a friendship movie? Do you want to call it a relationship movie? Do you want to call it a family movie? Mm -hmm. Do you want to call it a horror movie? Mm -hmm. Do you want to call it a siege movie? I mean, the fact that it crams so many genres and, and thoroughly, not just touching on them. Right. But let me just skip ahead for one second on that totem pole of of what this movie might be. Maybe a quote unquote family movie is maybe a little bit lower on the totem pole. But how affected were you when fucking Bill Nye is dying in the backseat of that car and telling Sean what it meant to be his stepdad? I mean, my (laughs) God. Yeah. Like I said, there
1: are. Yeah, there are definitely some tears in this movie. Yeah, that whole part is great. Right. So let's. This is this is the. Yeah. But Bill as you Nye said
0: is. Uh, oh, <laughs> does it get any better? Does it fucking yeah, get any another, better? And that's another.
1: Like it seems that guy. uh I mean, that guy's had a huge career, but then once he started working with Edgar Wright, like that, it seemed to produce some of his best stuff. I feel.
0: Right. It's so funny. I don't know if you came across across this in your research, but Bill Nye is apparently like a really snappy dresser. Yeah. And that was the one thing they were afraid about when they offered him the role that because it's just like such a suburban beige, like just like, let's pick everything that has no effect on humanity as far as (laughs) clothing. And that's what you're wearing. But he took it anyway. You know who didn't take it? Helen Mirren turned down Barbara. Oh, really? Yeah. uh, Sean's mom, Uh, which funny, funny to her credit, though, she said she'd rather play. uh, Nick Frost's character, <laughs> uh, because it, he had more lines. But um, but yeah, so so the casting, you know, like you said, b- because it it is related to the show, there was a lot that came from Space and just sort of translated into the movie. But let's this is like you said, this is the fun month. So rather than being too academic about this whole thing, let's start with something fun. How about I'm going to ask you a question. How much did you pick up on? Well, oh, first of all, let me ask you this question. How many times have you seen this movie?
1: Uh, that's a, uh, very surprising question. I realized, I think this might just be the second time I'd seen it.
0: Okay. Okay, good. No, that's actually even better.
1: Yeah. For no, like not, I mean, cause I loved it when I saw it and I just remembered a lot about it. Uh, Nancy likes hot fuzz more. So we watched that one a lot. Uh, so yeah, while watching this, I was just like, holy shit, wait, have I never seen this again? <laughs> but it felt like I had, and there wasn't anything like, oh, I forgot about this part, you know? So, right. you, you know, that, that it says a lot to how well it sat with me for 17
0: years. Well, yeah, you, no, you, that's a good point. Cause kind of like, What you're saying is, is if you watch a movie one time and it resonates enough with you to feel like to to sort of match the normal feeling when you've watched a movie several times, that's probably a pretty good sign. You know, like if it makes you feel like, yeah, I saw it once, but it's so relatable and so watchable that I feel like I watched it three times. Right. You know, that's that's great. Um, So here's my question. How much. Did you pick up on in your first viewing? If there's one fucking technical writing thing in this movie, it is repetition. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. How much did you pick up on that then? And how much more did you pick up on it now?
1: I mean, I picked up a lot of it the first time I watched it. Like that was one of the appeals was how, you know, how many callbacks and reoccurring things there are in it i mean very specifically his walk to the shop like that's i mean that's obviously like supposed to look the same you know um so yeah i mean that was that was one of the main draws of it the first time so i can't say i it was more this time watching it like recognizing people that i didn't even realize were in it like uh peter uh Sarah Fanowitz is that his name I always forget how to say his name um who is like that guy's that guy's the voice of Darth Maul oh really (laughs) yeah oh was he was a, a he played the tick in the new tick remake that was on Amazon for a while uh that guy is hilarious he's doing a thing with um he's doing a YouTube series right now with um uh Trey Parker and Matt Stone uh, and and there might have only been a couple of them, but they're doing like a deep fake of like Trump. So they're doing it's Peter Serafinowicz doing this, like this effeminate voice like this. And he's a reporter, <laughs> but they're deep faking Trump's face on it. So it's just it's just Trump talking like this. <laughs> and it's hilarious. It's hysterical. Um, and it's like it's so weird because that guy is so huge. Yeah. And seems like such a meathead and he's so funny and you don't expect it. And he like, he's just been a, like a background part of so many things I enjoy. So like
0: seeing him in this movie, it was like, holy
1: shit, he's the roommate. Oh my God.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's the thing that, you know, going back to what I said, that there are no weak performances in this, like, he's a character that some people might say, like if you had to extract something from this movie, like maybe you could pull him out, but he is so good. And, (laughs) and not only that, but like, he's great at just being sort of the prickish roommate, but like every, uh, like he gets progressively funnier, his character, not, not even just him, but just the like reemergence of his character gets funnier every single time you see him. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so, yeah, so that there's that repetition of, um, of setups, of scenes, and then there's this amazing, and, and this is from a writing perspective, I, I think just a fucking miracle that somebody could pull this off. There's this repetition of phrases that are the same phrases, but used in different contexts in the movie. So, stuff like the word exacerbate, stuff like you've got red on you. What does that mean? Uh, yeah, <laughs> stuff like um, it's on random mm-hmm. stuff like slice of fried gold stuff like like or even action stuff. Like when we first do see Pete, uh, the roommate, you know, uh, Simon Pegg is looking in his bathroom mirror and he just gives it a slight tap. And then that slight tap brings the roommate into the frame. Yeah. Same thing happens when he discovers him as a zombie. So this movie, it I, I was like. About 20 minutes into it, I'm like, God, I've seen this movie so many times. And I knew that there was that repetition there, that use of repetition. But I'm like, I'm going to try to write down all the times that this happens. But it happens so often yeah. that it, it was it blew my mind. And th- there's a real technical risk in that because one of the most like sophomoric mistakes that you can make in writing is reusing words over and over instead of coming up with something different. Like even when you're telling a story, if you say that something was like crazy, and all you all you can think to say is crazy, 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 over and over, it doesn't give any depth to the story you're telling. You have to come up with a different. You have to say zany, wild, right? You know, uh, insane, whatever. Um, but they choose to purposely use repetition, and it actually works. And and gives a second level to whatever it is they're repeating, and it, it's it's just so great. Yeah. Um, the other thing from if while we're talking, well,
1: it's about also I mean it's a movie of references. So, and it's it's not afraid to reference itself several times. It references
0: right. several other movies and itself a lot. Yes, and like it does it. Um, it takes some deep cuts, like when. <laughs> When uh, Sean is confronting uh, his roommate, who has now turned into a zombie, uh, Pete, uh, he it doesn't just say the words join us, <laughs> right. but it's like halfway through his sentence. He pauses in the right place so that it comes out just as join us, <laughs> just like <laughs> Evil Dead 2. Yep. So there's a reference there. But now I'm going to get I'm going to get for two seconds excitingly heady on you. Uh, about repetition, because um, doesn't that sound exciting? Uh, it's what we're known for for the, in this podcast. <laughs> so, is the repetition just a technical tool, as sort of a clever way of writing that? Hey, we're going to have a phrase here, and then we're going to use the same phrase later on in the movie. Same phrase, different context, but it fits in both places. Are we just going to do that for fun, or does that mean something? Oh. Does that have a deeper meaning? And what that deeper meaning might be, um, I don't have to say it. Everybody knows I hate the preachy stuff, but I do believe that this movie isn't preachy, but I think it has a couple of things to say. And one of those things is asking yourself whether you are a whether you are repeating the same mistakes in your life on a day-to-day, week to week basis, things that you know you should change, things that you know that you're aware of, but you keep doing it over and over and over and never fixing it. And so does does the idea of repetition become a metaphor for sort of being in a in a sort of a rut in your life? And we see Sean begin the movie, uh as do so many extras kind of being like a real life zombie they're a social zombie right so they're just kind of like sort of shambling through their lives without much thought without much consideration without much life to them right and then sean sort of becomes de-zombified as the movie goes um and so and he also begins to To examine these things that are being told to him, like, hey, you consistently fuck this up or you consistently underperform in this area. And and it's over and over and over. And it's him breaking that cycle. So is there is there a life lesson in Shaun of the Dead about breaking up repeated patterns of poor behavior in your life? Maybe that's that's reading too much into it, but I think it's no, I think that's no, that's very
1: uh, astute observation of one of the themes of the film. Yeah, that, that is is not by accident, by any means. That's right. why uh, these people, you know, that's why these guys went on to great success, because they are very good at <laughs> at making films. You know what I mean? Um, So for sure, like. Yeah, that's what, you know. As he writes on his, you know, dry erase board on his fridge, you know, get your shit sorted out. Yeah, that's that's him like breaking all of those, you know, accepting his dad, you know, uh, visiting his mom, trying to repair things with his girlfriend. Right. You know, getting getting his roommate to move out. (laughs)
0: Right. Right. And, and it's, you know, the, the, the thing is is that what's funny is that there might be that headiness of that repetition of Sean's poor decisions or lack of activity in his own life. But there's also moments where he, you know, just belts out that get fucked four eyes (laughs) movie line. (laughs) Yeah. And like, when he says that, like that, I, I was so reminded, I even wrote down get fucked four eyes In my notes, because that was like one of the funniest lines when I first watched it and when I still watch it. Like it's it's something to be said where we can talk all about the constructs of this movie and we can talk all about all of the amazing performances. But let's just get it out of the way and say that when you take a step back and really give credit to where it's due, Simon Pegg is an absolute powerhouse in this movie. Oh, yeah. Just, just with, with, here comes that craftsmanship with that well-crafted um, the timing, the timing is impeccable. It is um, the the reactions. This is where we sort of get that little bit of what we've been talking about with New Zealand horror uh-huh. and kind of see some of its origins. Sometimes it's the reactions to things in in British, that British flavor of comedy that make it that much funnier or the timing of, of belting out lines um, for for whatever this movie is putting across in sort of well-craftedness there's also some straightforward crude hilarious comedy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I mean mainly coming from the character of Ed. Yeah. Like we we all I think as viewers we all sort of like tightened up a little bit the first time we heard can I get any of you <laughs> cunts? A drink i mean the first time we hear that we're like
1: oh yeah
0: but that is a immediate star making moment too
1: like that oh, yeah. especially like now knowing like nick frost had no plans of like he didn't pursue this like just giving that guy that golden line to be introduced on because it tells you everything you need to know about
0: that guy Yeah. And it's in that same scene, there's another thing that happens. It's not quite the same thing as repetition, but there is, if you watch really closely going back to what you said about, this is not just a throw it on kind of movie. There are a lot of really fun instances of there being a conversation in the foreground, but what's said in the background actually responds to what's being said in the foreground. So somebody will be talking, um, like like in that in that actual scene um where liz and sean uh boyfriend girlfriend are talking about their relationship and liz is trying to speak to the fact that with uh ed sean's roommate always being around it doesn't really give them time together and you know ed is in the background playing a video game and um you know, she's saying like, you know, if maybe he if he wasn't around all the time, you know, maybe we would get a chance to. And then you just hear Ed say, fuck. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's so just it, it's so layered. It's so textured. It's it's so fun. Yeah. Um, But but here's and none of it seems forced either. That's
1: the other benefit of the comedy in this movie. Even It's so it's and it's so reference filled. Like I obviously did not get a lot of the obscure zombie references that are in this movie. Like I was like at the end where Simon Pegg's like, stop pointing that gun at my mom. I'm like, Oh, that's a reservoir dogs reference. I know that one. Like I yeah. get that reference. So I got all the ones that weren't zombie movie references. <laughs> um, uh, I
0: forget my original point why I started talking about that, but. Oh, just that. Uh, oh, that it's that it's done effortless, that it's that it's not that they're not having like it's not forced.
1: Oh, yes. OK, yeah. Yeah. That none of the references are forced or it's not like there's one and it's supposed to be over the top and forced. And that's we're coming to get you, Barbara. Like, yeah. that's the one. And <laughs> it and it's only works because it is like so like blatantly there.
0: Yeah. And, and it's they the know only one it. that works.
1: That way. Yeah. They know it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, there's a couple other fun ones. And you're right. I, I'm not even sure I caught everything. I know that they they talk about making reservations at Fulci's restaurant, which is uh, for Lucio Fulci, who is an Italian horror director. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Foray uh, or Foray Electronics, where Sean works with it, which is Ken Foray, who is in Dawn of the Dead. Um, there's that join us thing that I said from uh, uh, Evil Dead. So, yeah, the, the reference the woman in their backyard. Works for landis,
1: something oh yeah, yeah, so, yeah, thriller uh, John landis
0: and speaking of that lady, I'm glad that you mentioned her, um Mary Mary, God bless her uh wow this this moment i I'm just kind of like i I've just goosebumps thinking about this moment in in relation to every time that I watch this movie or the first time that I watch this movie. remember. We don't see Mary in the backyard until 30 minutes into the movie. Also, Mary in the backyard is pretty much our first example of real carnage in this movie. 30 minutes. Yeah. All of that buildup is this great and very intentional reaction to the Britishness of this movie, (laughs) because... Whereas the American stereotype would be like me, like, Oh, there's a zombie apocalypse. Let me run out and just try to fucking kill everything with my bare hands right away. (laughs) But there's a British reserve, like a natural, like personality, like reservation of, of just goofiness. They're, they're, they're more, they're more together, (laughs) you know, Uh less reactionary. So the whole first 30 minutes of the movie is is edgar wright questioning what would we do as british people like he actually there's a couple i think this is kind of fun i'd love to get both of these guys in the same room together to really hash out who came up with this movie first because if you listen to edgar wright he says that he was over at simon and nick's apartment and they were like playing video games and stuff like that and they were talking about how much they Simon and Edgar loved Dawn of the Dead and then they were like hey we should make this zombie movie or Edgar says that he said himself we should make a zombie movie and have the stars be these sort of hapless bit players that are are that become the center of the film and he also talks about Edgar talks about staying over there and playing Resident Evil till 5 in the morning and then walking to the store and like you know there's nobody on the streets right and it's empty and he's like if there was a zombie apocalypse right now what the fuck as brits would we even do like <laughs> we don't have like high powered artillery uh, you know our weapons in our uh, in our houses like what would we do yeah. and uh so he takes claim for that simon says that um I wrote it down here cuz he's got a little bit different version he said that there was a spaced episode there is
1: a spaced had, episode where he like yeah. gets obsessed with playing resident evil
0: and they have to fight zombies and yeah. then and they had so much fun doing it that he kind of says then he sort of came up with the idea mm-hmm. of it so maybe it's it's probably a mix of the two but the point being that the first thirty minutes of this movie, which by no means are boring, they're fu- very funny. Yeah, are just a setup to the viewer seeing little bits of things starting to go awry, kind of like what you and I talked oh, about. Yeah,
1: the all the background stuff there. There is a, where he's flipping through news channels, and. And it it really works really well, because as we we've started watching movies with subtitles. <laughs> yeah. Reading it as it goes, because it's not even cut together to audibly play well for you to because as he's flipping through the channels, it's actually cutting other sentences together into a coherent narrative about what's going on in the world. Right. That there's, you know, something is amiss. But nothing that he's watching ever alludes to it. And the the pattern that it comes through is never like, pay attention to this, right? I mean, it's yeah. obviously, you know, it's cut together to sound coherent, but it, uh, speech pattern wise, it doesn't do very well. So it's like, there's just, it, it, it's put together so well. It's just put together so well. Just that whole string yeah. of TV channels. Um, And it's been done before, but like I said, it's usually like shoved in your face like, you know, we're hitting a new word in the next part that's, you know, a joke pullover from the last sentence. You know, this isn't this is just like random shit strung together to tell you what's going on without him watching a news
0: program saying here's what's going on. Exactly. And and it you're just giving more. that bit
1: uh, is uh, one tenth of how long it took me to describe it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but no, but you bring up I, I love what you started with, which is and, and this is just my advice to the world. And I'm glad that you're on board now. Watch your movies with subtitles. You pick do up it. so much more. Fucking do it. <laughs> so yeah,
1: much background stuff where you're like, oh, even if it's a movie you've seen a ton you're going to see something in those close captions. So you're going to go,
0: that explains that question I had about this movie forever. Yeah. Let me, uh, speaking of picking up on things that aren't 100% out there, I, I think I have my, I think I have my opinion. I'm pretty confident it's always been my instinct. It's kind of just a random question for you. Um, Is the character of David supposed to be Irish? Is that the four eyes? Yeah. Okay.
1: Um, Because you question, but yeah, I I, he does sound a little
0: Irish sometimes. Yeah, I don't know if he's just supposed to be northern, but he sounds more than north. Like, which is weird because his character doesn't represent the stereotypical northerner, um, because northerners are supposed to be tougher. Um, But I just, you know, how we love to talk about our language. but uh yeah, yeah I just And ordered- it's not a lot
1: but yeah there were only a couple times where I'm like oh
0: I didn't dwell on it much. Yeah. It's it's very subtle. But but speaking of those characters, how much do you love Liz? The the uh, Sean's girlfriend. Yeah, she's great. She's so great. Um first of all, she's kind of like it's not like she's like Gal Gadot style like Amazon style like gorgeous godlike beauty yeah. or anything but she's super cute and she's she feels like maybe like uh maybe a little bit out of sean's league <laughs> like she's she's kind of cute oh, shot in her own way yes she's definitely
1: out of his league
0: and um what's so here's what's so challenging about her part that made me really respect um her as an actress in this movie if you just imagine liz's dialogue on the page you're reading the script you've never seen the movie before it's really really hard to not have her come off as sort of high maintenance bitchy like because a lot of the lines are very much complainy. you know upset um and uh she does such a good job though i think of conveying that it's not that she's probably always been that way. It's just that she's probably always said these things. Oh, yeah. So many times. She's at this point. <laughs> right. Right. And that really comes across. She doesn't come across as like, oh, you know, Sean is just a, a fun guy and I'm just trying to ruin his good time. You know, like right. she, she comes across as like. I'm cool too but Jesus Christ can you do <laughs> something like one of these things we've ever talked about uh repeatedly yeah. um so she like, does really I love going to the pub but I also like going to other places right right um speaking of which uh let's let's talk about bars for a second um cuz it's such a huge part of this movie the Winchester uh, I'll tell you first of all, just real quick. They did a great job of the interiors. The interiors were shot um, in a in a studio. Um, the exteriors, were oh all, damn, were all shot. Um, I know, but God, doesn't it feel like you're inside yeah, that's that a, fucking that's bar, a good looking pub? Yeah, yeah. So let me ask you this: when it comes to, but I guess all, if you're going to destroy it, you probably want a <laughs> fake one then, right? That makes and sense. And sadly, sadly, that plate because it, it was the exterior was originally. A pub, um, yeah. but it now it's you know become condos. Uh, which you know it'd be cool. Yes. To <laughs> but let me ask you this: when it comes to bars, do you like going to different bars, or do you like going to the same bar over and over and over again?
1: Yeah, I like going to the same two bars. I you okay. know I, yeah, I have two bars. I'll jump in between.
0: What's the second one? The Cementos. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Good. I, I knew the first one. Yeah. Franklin um, House cementos and
1: I'd probably go to cementos a lot, but it's just kind of out of the way. Can't so walk there.
0: Which one of those two is your Winchester? Oh, Franklin house. Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, Although not, not a secure place at all. A thousand ways
0: to get into that place. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, but uh, yeah, well, no, that's and I it kind of it makes me wonder about specifically about the city that we're in now because we went from living in a city that had a handful of bars like any other normal midwestern town would to suddenly having like a huge influx of bar slash restaurants and sometimes I feel guilty like man why don't I go to all these different places like why do I just go to the same couple or one or two or three over and over and over again but then it's like well who cares (laughs) like maybe i (laughs) like it there maybe i feel comfortable there and it's nice when you have a bartender who knows your order and you're not just like being served by those people you're friends with those people like there's something to that
1: yeah uh yeah i know i feel that way there are even there's there's one bar you go to and I'm always
0: like, oh, that, all right, we'll go to that one. All right. I don't go if it's the one I'm thinking of. We don't go there as much anymore. Yeah,
1: it's very they renovated everything. Now yeah. I'm now curious to see what it looks like. I still yeah, don't want to
0: I- go there, but. Now I go to another one that was uh, bought by other people who essentially kept it the same, but somehow it just feels better. And now oh. I love going there. Oh, see, yeah, I haven't been in that one in a long time. Oh, it's it's just it's great. It's actually it's very fucking Winchester in there now. <laughs> oh God, super Winchester. Um, but anyhow, so <laughs> anybody that doesn't know the places that we're like, you know, saying <laughs> right. and actually not even saying, yeah. you all have your own bars yeah. in your own towns. So you can apply of these. And and hey, if you're listening and you're out of town, why don't you give us your winchesters? That'd be a fun email to get. Yeah. What is your hometown's Winchester? Even if you moved out of your hometown and you now live in a new place but you're you're settled in there, what's the name and the city of the bar that you love to go to? Who knows, maybe we'll take a road trip and check it out. Oh, that'd be fun. Um remote episodes. Yeah, that'd be fun. Especially if somebody actually had a bar called the Winchester, like oh. who the fuck hasn't thought of that already? Well, I'm sure some people have thought oh, of yeah. it, but my God, somebody opened that up!
1: Um, There's been probably been some pop up bar, oh some yeah, city,
0: yeah, Shaun of the Dead themed. Oh man, I'd go, I'd yeah. go on a heartbeat. Why not?
1: Um, I've never been to a pop up bar. I have. I just been don't.
0: To... I'm like, how? How does that work? I've been to a Stranger Things pop up. Oh, yeah. You you did go to that one. Fucking awesome. It was super great. It was super. It sounds like it's just something you have to go to before their lawyers shut it down. Well, the, I don't know if you know that story, but it's, it's really kind of funny. There, there was this pop-up stranger things bar in Chicago did a great job as you're standing in line, going into the building. They had it all set up with like fencing and Ivy and signs about like the, um, you know, the government facility. So uh-huh. that's how the outside was. And then you got into the place. So it's like being in a line at, at great America. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then, when you go into the place, they had every like things like stuck up to the ceiling. So it's kind of like the upside down. Uh-huh. They have the the lights and the couch set up like the living room with the alphabet that you could take sure. pictures on. The only beer they had was what is it that he always drinks? Is it Stroh's? Uh, Lone Star? I or, don't remember. Yeah, whatever the one beer. That Stroh's maybe. Yeah, yeah maybe Stroh's. Yeah. But that was the only the only beer you could get. They had like a couple, three, four different cocktails with like a little waffle, like an Eggo stuck in it, oh, like as a garnish. Okay. It was very cute. It was it was very fun um, yeah. so, uh, and reasonably priced. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, it, there's it's probably a good thing that it they got to cover their legal fees. Yeah. And they did. By the way, they did get uh, contacted by Netflix. OK, yeah. See, that's what I thought. I think I thought that that was the one I was thinking of. Yeah. And Netflix wrote them a really like kitschy letter, like pretending they were Dr. Brenner saying that they were going to have to shut him down after, you know, a certain amount of time. I mean, they they had fun with it. It was cute. Right. But um, seriously, they'll shut it down. <laughs> you're right. So um, a funny a funny thing, just real quick uh, about the fun of. Of this movie. Um, this is a little bit more of a technical thing, but it's it's neat to talk about. Uh, and I'm going to I'm going to describe it. I'm talking about in camera transitions. Oh, and yeah. I'm going to talk about this in reference that you would be able to understand as well. I'm going to give the listeners uh, kind of the context of this in a, in a theater example. And prior to let's call it, I'm just going to say 2000s, late 90s, 2000s uh, stage plays were done in a really episodic fashion. You have a scene, the action and the point of the scene takes place, full blackout, maybe even the audience claps and then <sighs> lights come up and it's the no- another scene in a totally different place with a totally different meaning and intention. And then that cuts out to a full blackout and, and it, it's very choppy. Nobody ever really thought too much about it because that was just the way it always was. But then some, somewhere along the way, they came up with the concept of brownouts instead of a blackout. So instead of just killing everything on stage, after you've just set up this mood of whatever scene was on the stage, you sort of maybe bring the lights down a little bit to a very dim level as you're bringing up the action on the other side of the stage. So it's a smooth transition. And I love that idea because there's nothing to make you remember that you're sitting in a theater watching a play than a full, complete blackout. Right? I mean, way to just kill it. I, I like by kill it. I don't mean good. I mean like way to just destroy the mood you've just <laughs> created. Right. So these brownouts, these crossover transitions became much more popular and I'm, I'm a huge fan of them. So in this movie, instead of just a scene ending, like, yeah, think of like your typical—I don't know—like a uh, uh, primetime uh, soap opera where it's like there's an argument in a living room somewhere, and then it just cuts off, and then now all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we're driving down the street in a convertible with the top down and two people talking. You know, yeah. there's there's no transition. I know exactly what episode you're talking about. <laughs> right. Um. So no transition whatsoever. And but in this movie we get a little bit of the carryover from that spaced style uh, that Edgar Wright was perfecting of a lot of it is is sort of pan transition meaning the camera at the end of a scene appears to like sweep quickly over to the side almost as if it's sweeping into the next scene yeah but what's so good about that in this movie is that this movie is all about this build towards, the the final uh, siege in the bar at the end so instead of just chopping us up along the way the action never stops right and that's that's what makes it so fun this movie yeah. feels and like that kind of his stuff that he
1: got really good at that style of doing that hot fuzz does it a lot oh yeah um and even like because you know I was watching this with my kid and I'm like oh this is the same guy who made Scott Pilgrim and she goes ah okay I actually this looked like some of this looked familiar like it's, I think it's the first time where she's like oh a a a filmmaker's vision okay like in a style that they have interesting so yeah like he crushes it I mean Sam it's it's a it's Sam Raimi ish but. Uh, I think he uses it really effectively, especially in a comedic way. And they they did it in Deathgasm a lot, too. Yeah. And it's yeah, it's just it's a very funny, especially because it feels so overly dramatic. And if you're using it for mundane stuff like putting on your name tag and, you know, getting ready for work, like it's so funny. It works so well.
0: Oh, Yeah. And the movie does. So it, it's got those um, smooth transitions, but it does very much split itself up in a traditional three act fashion where we've got the setup in the beginning. It's like setup, journey, resolution. So the setup is is kind of oh, nobody wait. really. Should we do Dan some real quick? Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> This, that's going to be the funniest line <laughs> in this episode
1: uh, <laughs> All right, real quick poor sean his job sucks he's just been dumped and he has no direction in life but when the zombie apocalypse hits its town he has a chance to save his friends prove himself to his mother and have a tall pint at the winchester while this all blows over there we go it wasn't much anyway so it's fine
0: okay let's just start over completely from the beginning Okay, no, any, no.
1: yeah so spaced was a tv show
0: <laughs> yeah british sitcom uh <laughs> but uh no i'm glad oh god thank god you, you uh you brought that in jeez we we've abandoned bits and we don't even pearl clutch anymore for god's no. sake <laughs> holy god we got to keep something in there some some tenements are are sacred um am i saying that right word right is it ten, tenements like i'm not comfortable enough to ten, reply yeah. yes or no mainstays let's go with mainstays tenants uh, tenants ten, is my thinking t- tenants? Tent, I don't know. Right now there are people screaming yeah, at, yeah. Their, at their, uh, <laughs> their Bluetooth speaker. Yeah. Whatever the right answer is. <laughs> um, so pulling over their luxury vehicles yelling. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so here's the thing we're, we're, we're we've hinted at just a, a little bit of the heart in this movie. We've certainly hinted at like the, some of the technical stuff, the comedy, so somebody might be asking themselves, yeah, but what about the horror? I mean, I thought this was supposed to be a horror <laughs> movie. And uh, there's there's I'm not going to say that there's no um, shortage of that because there isn't a frequent amount of super hardcore horror. But they sure as hell work in one scene of real, true, visceral. And I mean, oh, that yeah. in literal sense. Gut pulling and munching. And this and- was like a
1: real direct reference to another movie I read.
0: Was it? Yes. I didn't. I didn't. I, did, I, I had not read that.
1: Oh, okay. Are we talking about, or maybe we're not talking about the same scene. David. We have yeah. to be. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah when David yeah, yeah. gets pulled apart. Yeah. 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 That's apparently now I, I watched a like variety magazine, like here are all the references that are in, you know, Shaun of the dead And some of them I'm like, oh, okay. And some of them are just, you know, as any of those are want to do, just like such stretches. Like there's one scene uh, where, like there's a businessman we see during the opening credits. And then later we just see him like running down the street. And they're like, this is a shot for shot remake of this scene from this movie. And they're showing them side by side. And one is a guy running down the sidewalk. And one is a guy running across the street. I'm like, that's not even <laughs> shot for shot. Like, fuck this. You know, there are one where it's like when they find, uh, you could
0: just pick Rocky, like training, right? you know, like anything.
1: One is like when they find uh, when he finds the roommate in the shower, like this is a reference to Psycho. I'm like, "Um, what is it? Is it? Yeah, no. Like, just stop trying to fill 10 minutes and just give me the actual stuff. But there were a lot of like, like we mentioned earlier, some of the names of the businesses referenced other directors. Um, There's something like just on one of the headlines referenced a very obscure like 1974 English zombie movie about it being like chemicals and agriculture that like started the zombie apocalypse. Like there's just one headline where he's that he sees in the, in the shop for a second. So some of those were cool. Uh, But I can't remember the name. I thought you would just know it. I put way too much faith in your name.
0: (laughs) Normally I come through that. (laughs) Yeah. But no, I'm with you. It's like in 90210, when Brenda Walsh first sees Dylan McKay, or I should say, sees him like it's her her first encounter with him or or during that time. And she happens to walk into her bathroom that she shares with her brother and thinks her brother's in the shower. And she walks in and the curtain gets pulled back and it's Dylan McKay. Is that a reference? To psycho, <laughs> yeah, like yes, I, of I, course, yeah. Apparently, it is okay. I, I, I miss that, but um, no, you're, you're right. There's, uh, there, there are a lot of references, but there's, there's also, you know, a a ton of originality along the way, especially if my God, you want to talk about a gift that we didn't even know that we needed as humans, but the throwing the records at the I, zombies. I was scene. just
1: going to say that whole scene felt it feel, it feels fresh. And I know it was at the time. And it's yeah. weird that like no one has, this is weird. Like it seems like such an easy idea. Just like, Oh, normal people experience X. Right. You know? You know. Uh, and it is like, that's so funny of just them. Like, A, that's a great weapon. I would want to use, try and use that. And yeah, just the bits of them like determining what records are worth. Destroying. right and that was another uh, question i was going to ask you what records would you save and then i'm just like that's
0: just like what's your favorite <laughs> band like whatever <laughs> right well apparently sade was cool with them because they had to ask these people like is it okay to oh, really? trash your record and she was like yeah that one she's like yeah you can go ahead and, and trash that <laughs> one um, th- originally they were going to do, they were going to start like working down the line with David Bowie and they were going to say like, um, Ziggy Stardust, and they're like, no, and Aladdin saying no, and then Labyrinth soundtrack, and then I like <laughs> throw it, but then they thought the Prince thing was funnier, which it is with the Batman soundtrack, yeah, the Batman, <laughs> like, Batman soundtrack, perfect, so good. Um, I think what the Stone Roses
1: reference that is one where. That's like not a well-received album, but Simon Pegg really likes it. So he, yeah. So he
0: just yeah. wanna be like, I like I, it. I do like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so no, that it's just such a fun bit. And that's that's kind of like where the the fun really starts and where you sort of feel like you're just because none of us are like superheroes ready to do battle with with the undead. When that scene is happening, and even afterward, when they go back into their apartment. And they're wondering, you know, just what to do and and everything. And then they have like the most British moment where they're sort of like trying to figure things out. And, you know, what should we do? And then just one of them says, have a sit down. <laughs> like, <laughs> just sort of like, just, you know, maybe we'll just relax and have a sit down, you know, just think about it for a second. Um, but, uh, yeah, so. So thoroughly British uh, this movie is, but, but so relatable to. America.
1: There's a similar line in that vein that I really liked when they're in the Winchester and David's like, what are we going to do now? And Ed's like, I could get it in a
0: round. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. <laughs> why don't, why aren't we just having a beer? <laughs> apparently uh, in the, uh, on the, in the in studio set that they had uh, for the Winchester, they did have a working tapped keg so that they could, you know, drink beer oh, or that course. the, uh, that the extras could drink beer. And, and which is really cool because actually all of those, maybe not all of them, but a good chunk of those extras are actually just fans of spaced um, that they knew when they, when Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg were first putting this movie together, they're like, Okay, we, we we really know who's who are, we want our principal actors to be, but if we want this thing to have the enormity that it's supposed to have, you know, where are we going to get all these people? So they just reached out to their fan base for the TV show, and they're like, "Would you please be?" you know, an extra zombie in this movie. And, um, so they all came out and he's like, they were under the worst conditions. They had to just stand around for almost an entire day. You know, it's, it's a lot of hurry up and wait, but he said they were just fantastic. And there were even a couple teenagers that were like kind of fucking with them and pulling pranks and stuff, not fans of the show, but just like fucking with them with the, uh, because they were filming a movie and they're like, look, can we just we just put you in the movie and will you stop (laughs) fucking with us so those were like the two teenagers um but uh but yeah so definitely a lot of uh you know kind of what i want to say grassrootsness to this movie but um but yeah a huge part of it is just like i don't know to me this is what everybody should do if you have some sort of fame in some sort of project that you're in just Strike while the iron is hot and do your own thing. Mm-hmm. Like, why didn't the guys in Friends be like, "Hey, let's let's do our own movie"? I mean, I I don't know. Well, maybe. I mean, Joey Tribbiani did try to have a spinoff
1: that didn't last. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Maybe it
1: was. But uh, yeah, I think the iron wasn't very hot right then. No, no. But I uh, do want to do. We got to talk about. <coughs> excuse me. We got to talk about the um, because we were talking about the in in camera transitions and that's kind of an Edgar wright thing also uh something he does incredibly well that he he does well in this he does it again in Baby Driver to absolute perfection but is just uh matching what you're watching up with what's going on with music yes so, so there's a whole scene where they're in the Winchester um they're being attacked by the owner and the jukebox kicks on. And starts playing. Queens don't stop me now, and it's just so hilarious as they're they're like beating him with these pool cues to the the beat of the music, uh, and and what I lo- super love about this scene because it is like the editing in it is I wouldn't say super tight. But, like, as uh, David goes in to, s- like, f- start flipping the fuses, he's doing it to the music, and which right. is making the lights flash and everything. And even, but it's not, like, super crisp dead on. But just to take away any doubt about, is this, like, supposed to be in beat? It cuts to, uh, who's the, the God, we haven't even mentioned the other girl who was on, uh, she was on The Office. Uh god damn it, what's her name? Uh Lucy Davis Yeah, Diane. <laughs> her and Sean's mom, and they're both just kind of like bopping yeah, to the right. music. I fucking lost it. I fucking <laughs> lost it when I saw that. Um yeah. but yeah, just that whole that whole bit to music. Did you see Baby Driver? Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah that oh the opening credits, yeah, where he's doing his bit all in like one continuous shot. And every beat's hitting on music. That's so good. Yeah. Th-
0: this was like such a taste of it. And and it was a huge gamble for these guys because Edgar Wright loves Queen. And he loved the idea of using that song because he, like me, like you, really likes the juxtaposition of opposite things together. And he thought like it was just kind of the, the scene was born out of him being like this, the most uplifting positive song in the world with like something really urgent and shitty and tragic happening or or just like you know scary uh life-threatening and uh so they had sort of choreographed that scene with those beats before getting to queen to ask permission and so i think that that's well from what edgar wright says it's kind of why they got the permission because they went they went to Brian May with like such desperation, like, no. look, we've already choreographed this scene like it doesn't work with anything else. Is there and- a harsher gatekeeper, it seems, than Brian May? <laughs> like that guy
1: seems like a tyrannical leader of the Queen legacy.
0: Yeah, I, I it does. I mean, I've, I've heard that in, <laughs> in other regards, and it's just kind of like, you know. <laughs> You're queen, which is a big deal, but it's, I mean, there are other big bands out there. (laughs) There's there's other hit songs, um, but thank God he relented and, uh, and gave him use of it, which is great. And, um, yeah, so no, that, that scene is, is absolutely fantastic. And I, and I love that mix. There was just on a real super quick tangent here, uh, back in what would be like the late nineties, uh, I And I still, to this day, really love what's called a song called the the You and Me song by the Wanna Dies, which is in the Romeo and Juliet movie with uh, DiCaprio. And it's the like sweetest, most uplifting little love song. It's just angelic. And I was kind of rewatching Nightmare on Elm Street a lot at that same time. So. One day with myself, I kind of came up with it and then some friends came over and I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm sort of working on this thing, you know, and then we started picking the timing of when to start that song during while watching nightmare on elm street sure. and it was when tina is being just ripped apart on the ceiling and there's just blood everywhere and you're just you know hearing you and me always <laughs> and forever it was it's like the sweetest thing and there's always two people no matter what scene it cuts to there's always two God. people on the scene and it was just hysterical like just the contrast so that's what you get in this scene and um and it's so great. And, and you know, you mentioned Sean's mom. Like, that's another like super, super tear jerky moment when when, you know, she's dying and Simon Pegg just really lays on an authentic just outpouring of emotion as she's slipping away. And it's it's just I mean, we don't need that in this movie, right. but, but to have it is is just great. Heartbreaking. Yeah um it really grounds
1: it and it really man you take a step back for a moment yeah yeah and then and someone farts and we're right back in
0: <laughs> right and even that they they managed to turn into like a really heartfelt joke you know between <laughs> two right. guys for god's sake <laughs> like the the transition between you know i guess it's just the multi, multi-facetedness of this movie like it's it's never It never takes itself too seriously. The second that you think that it might be, it's going to give you something else. It's going to serve up something else, Um, which just real quick, I I just want to mention, I I said earlier about this sort of becoming a siege movie. That's another thing that's really exciting. Like. It doesn't really hit you as a viewer until Sean goes into that back electrical room and he happens to flip on the light of the outside of the back door. <laughs> and you realize, oh, shit, because for a half a second, you kind of feel like they don't really have a plan. They're stuck in the Winchester. They got some like bar food to eat, but not much. It's just snacks. But at least it feels kind of safe. Yeah, there's no urgency right now. Right. But when you see all those people at the back door, man, your heart just drops and you're like, fuck. Like there. And then it only builds from there. I mean, you think it's bad when they're breaking through the windows and David gets eaten and, and then it gets smaller and smaller and smaller as they then hop behind the bar, you know? So now they're even in a smaller space and then work themselves down into the cellar. It's super effective as, uh, as the tension of a siege movie. Um, and it's, it's so great. It's such a great ending. Yeah. And to kind of think about like what the ultimate ending is that we're down in the cellar. We know that Ed's not going to make it. Ed knows he's not going to make it. Uh, You've got Liz and and uh, and Sean just kind of, you know, they've they've always been in love. They've never stopped loving each other. She broke up with him because she just got fed up and frustrated. But, you know, you know, these two still care very much for each other. Contemplating like essentially a murder suicide as opposed to being eaten, yeah. but it's, but it's still kind of a <laughs> heartfelt scene. Yeah, and um, I don't know. I guess I guess what's so neat about it is that by the time we get there, it's it's gotten so desperate and um, bleak that in your mind as a viewer, you can't even contemplate what could save them at this point. It seems like there is no escape. <laughs> right. But then when it happens. And then this
1: is a very Python-esque, I felt. This is a good, and but it's not, I don't think, I don't think they did it like, here's our Python reference, but the, because yeah, the the army shows up essentially to save them. And Yvonne, who we saw, yeah, we see Yvonne, we see her at the beginning as this thing starts, right? And they're just kind of like two, uh They had a relationship and they're just kind of cross each other's paths as like, we don't even know there's really a breakout going on. It's still just kind of hinted at it. And then we run into her like as they're on their way to the Winchester and it's a hilarious, (laughs) just a hilarious bit because it's her followed by five other people and they are all perfect representations of each member that's in their group. But the, the group that she's with, I mean, like everyone in this movie has kind of gone on to have their own great success. But at the time, the people who were in her line were more successful than the Edgar Wright crew. Like Martin Freeman had already been doing stuff. Uh, Matt Lucas had already who is like the Nick Frost counterpart. He'd already had a lot of success
0: with Little Britain
1: and stuff like that. See, I Um, didn't know any of that. Oh, yeah.
0: I literally didn't know any of those people were anybody. Oh, you're kidding! No, you didn't I, recognize
1: I, Martin Freeman, who like goes on to play. He's oh, he's uh, Bilbo Baggins in the Hobbit movies. Oh
0: yeah, well yeah, I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: he's he's gone on to some success. Uh, now a lot of them not huge here. Okay, like really only Martin Freeman has had big American success. I would say. I mean, the guy's in yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's in the Marvel franchise, he's in Lord of the Rings franchise. Like he's hit it. Okay. Um but everyone else in that line were pretty big British wise. Um and even cuz Martin Freeman and the guy who's standing behind him, I can't remember his name. The guy or the guy behind Martin Freeman, he plays one of the cops in Hot Fuzz. So is Martin Freeman in Hot Fuzz? I got to re
0: hot, rewatch Hot Fuzz again. It's, I love that movie. Because I it. feel
1: like it's going to be another, like, watching this, where I'm like, holy shit, I can't believe all the people I now know that are in this movie. I wonder if uh, Hot Fuzz is the same. Um, but, yeah, but yeah, I love that bit. But yeah, Yvonne, and, and it seems like she's having a far more conventional hollywood uh zombie survivor movie right the schlubs were watching because yeah she shows up at the end with the military as they're just gunning down zombies yes yeah Uh, yeah
0: and it's something that yeah and but you're right that is a real python thing where like python will have just a a basic sketch going on and then all of a sudden something will just ram into it like completely take it over um yeah no i never it's funny i didn't think of it as i didn't draw the connection to like a python vibe but you're right that's totally totally their style um yeah and then there they are like it is also an action movie trope to the thing to do this deus ex machina thing right (laughs) And uh, but then, you know, we end up with this with this really, really great epilogue of Sean and Liz now living together. The the apartment looks a lot nicer. Um, You know, they're there. There's you get the sense that there's a compromise because, you know, they're trying to figure out what they're going to do with their day. Liz lays some stuff out and yeah, they're going to go here. They're going to go there. They're going to go to like three, four different places, but it all sounds nice and relaxed and casual and fun. Yeah. And so you really feel like they've kind of find found this common ground. And then we get this super adorable moment where Sean says he's going to run out to the garden, um, a parentheses for American listeners backyard. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, goes into the shed and then you find out that Ed is there and really, you know, life for Ed as a zombie really hasn't changed that much. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He's still just sitting there playing video games, not doing much. I mean, maybe he doesn't sell as much weed anymore, but he's just doing his thing. He never really
1: sold any to begin with.
0: Right, right.
1: Another great recurring bit, the noodles who keeps calling him for weed.
0: Yeah. And then um, and then I'm I'm guessing that uh, Henry is an eighth. That would be good. You said, I've only gotten Henry. Like oh, that movie, makes like sense. Yeah. Oh, clever. So clever. I, I don't know that, but that's that's just. Oh, that good, has to
1: be. That yeah. has to be.
0: But um, and we get this nice little moment <sighs> where English it's. English are so cool. They have yeah. such better names. Yeah, they dance. got great slang. They yeah. do. Um, But uh, we get this nice moment. And I think the movie just ends on a really nice note where it's like. It's just about that compromise. It's about, you know, you. It doesn't mean that you have to forego all of the creature comforts in your life and just be a workaholic and and nothing's ever good enough. But it's just about finding that balance. And it kind of goes back to what we were saying about what this movie might be trying to say, which is don't don't be a zombie in your own life. Well, the the end song
1: is another queen song. And the first line is, "Ooh, you make me live. Yes.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah yeah don't don't just shamble you know with your clothes torn through your life <laughs> like and blood coming out of your mouth or even if it's just not that literal i mean well if that's what's happening then you should change that as well just right yeah stitch up your clothes and stop bleeding and and <laughs> you know that's the first step <laughs> but even if you're just kind of like metaphorically shambling through your life um just you know Take those one or two things that 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 always bug you day in day out. For me, it's my fucking room. Like I I have piles of laundry. I'm not filthy. Like I don't I don't keep food out. Right. I'm, I'm I I can't stand the idea of like bugs or pests. Yeah. But I just I'm disheveled as hell. And um, like I should, from doing this program, watching this movie, say, God damn it, Timmy, like, why don't you clean <laughs> your fucking room? My room, I haven't slept in my room in a year. I sleep on the couch because I have piles of laundry on my bed for oh, a year. It's like our dorm room. Yeah. yeah. It's like my mom says, she's like, you're, you have a home, but you live like you're homeless. And I'm like, I just, you know. So if anything, I was... mean, I can
1: laugh, but man, I know I'd be 10 times worse had I do it. Had I not had my legal caretaker with me at all times. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You've the yeah. couch would be full of shit. Be, right. Well, I sleep on the
0: floor <laughs> or on the porch.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Right. I yes. love
1: it. It's real comfortable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can talk yourself. I mean, because, because the couch that I have yeah, by I'm sleeping the way, outside,
1: it, it's fun.
0: Yeah. Like if you could, if you could clone like 20 Freddy Krueger's and have them just all hold their hands up and then lay down and like crowd surf on top of them, that's my couch. So, but yet I've convinced myself if I just find the right position, oh, this, is this is fine. This is totally normal. Getting a full night's sleep tonight. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, uh, no, it's um, it, it talk about, you know, circling back around to perfection here. Um, I, I can't find anything wrong with this movie. Um, th- th- now, somebody might say, but like, well, well, wait a second. What about Slumber Party Massacre or Slumber Party Massacre 2? But those are kind of like zany favorites, like sure. fun favorites, dessert favorites. But this movie uh, is is probably easily in my top top five of any movie really I, I think it's that well done nice
1: yeah you can ad, uh, admire a movie for its perfection but not have it be your favorite like sure
0: sure come on people <laughs> now let me ask you this just real quick just because it's come up and it, it is sort of tantalizing and i i never thought i would even waver at the at a decision on this but the more that i watch that other movie the more that i'm like what do you think is better hot fuzz or shawn of the dead
1: Oh, oh man. I mean. I don't know. I'd have to watch Hot Fuzz again because now it's been too long since I've seen that. Um, but I don't know. I think I think we only watched Hot Fuzz because it was I think that's more accessible and more Nancy style. Yeah. Um a little bit of gore, but no one getting like torn to shreds. Yeah. 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 Um and just like Cop shit like funny police stuff. So yeah. I think it was more accessible. So that's why we watched that one more. Uh and it was easy to get that Simon Pegg fix that or in Radgar Wright fix that you might want. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it might for me it might be hot fuzz, but just for you know, whatever nostalgic reasons or prefer, you know, genre preference. Right. Because zombie movies are not my favorite. I don't I don't really care for zombie movies some of them are good but I feel they all have a lot of the same beats there's not a lot you can do you know yeah with it different and even in this I was just like okay uh, feel it. I'm feeling it you know just that there's a the Winchester when they're in there you're just like I feel like I've been in here six hours now, you know, <laughs> right. um, but not, not, I was never bored at any moment. Like, don't make that. I'm trying to yeah. try to make that sound as bad as it might be. And there, and I might rewatch hot fuzz and be like, Oh, a lot of this shit didn't carry over. I feel like Nick Frost in that movie though. And maybe that's why, cause I, I relate to the fat, funny guy a lot more. Like he really comes into his own in hot fuzz. Like oh, that's yeah. like, I'm not just kind of playing a version of myself anymore. Like he's like playing, like acting and playing a character. Oh like yeah. It just feels like I'm sure Nick Frost is that gross. <laughs> a lot of the times, you know? <laughs> right. Um. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's why hot fuzz. I'll just have to watch it again. And yeah. world's end. Like we didn't even mention this is kind of a part of an unofficial trio. Right. The uh, Coronetto flavor trio, which
0: yeah, are and I, and I drum, love
1: drumstick ice cream. We call them drumsticks; they call them Coronettos.
0: Yes, and I, I like. Uh, Shaun of the Dead was the one that it, it had the most immediate impact on me. Like I've, I've said before, I watched it immediately after the first time I watched it. I, I, I started watching it, 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 it like literally the second the credits ended. I watched it again. Um, hot fuzz only grows on me every single time I see it and it gets better and better and better. And I, I start to see more and more in it. Um, and at world's end is, um, I, I don't know if it is as good as either one of the other two, but it is way better than like the one or two times that I've seen it. I think I've seen it twice, Yeah. Um. but it's, it grows on me too. But yeah, they're all, but yeah,
1: it, that one doesn't hold up like the other two. So it's hard, you know, yeah. you're not like must watch all three. Like you right. could skip yeah. the last one. Yeah, I mean, they're does. not related in any way, you know, there's no continuity between them. So it doesn't
0: matter. It's got. I think part of it too, is that we all want to see Nick Frost being a fun guy. And then he's not in, in at world's end, you know, yeah. he's, he's really, oh, bizarre, yeah. which is, which so is a nice light. move. I mean, it's, it's a nice, a nice shake up there, but, yeah. um, but yeah, There's it's a funny payoff for it at, at yeah. the end. I remember, but yeah, I think Mark
1: Freeman's in that movie too.
0: Yeah, he is. Yeah. He is. Okay. Yeah. But, um, but no, that's uh, I mean, it, it's Shaun of the dead as you can already guess gets a huge recommend from me um I love it and I also uh, give it a recommend it's a
1: laugh riot it'll make you uneasy it'll give you some tears it's got everything it's got everything yeah. you might want and it doesn't feel you know uh old no, uh, no when you watch it yeah it's all aged very well even even though you've probably seen stuff that are that as, as much as this movie has callbacks, there are a ton of shit that reference this movie now. Yes. Uh, nothing I can think of off the top of my head, but I'm sure yeah. there's something. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, yeah. so you recommend it? <laughs> yeah, I do recommend it. I do yeah. recommend it. Excellent. Uh, cool. Okay, well, that's it. That's it for Shaun of the Dead from 2004. Uh, next up in our Slaughter miniseries... I'm sure we're going to have some debate. Is this really a comedy uh, from 2019 ready or not? Starring Samara weaving the hide and go seek movie. I've seen it. I think
0: is hilarious. Yeah. I've seen it just twice and um, I liked it the first time. I liked it even more the second time. Um, I think it is a, ton of fun and uh it's gonna be
1: i'm gonna hang really heavy on that john carpenter like horror is a reaction not a genre that that's my this is comedy for me for for ready or not yeah because there are no jokes in it yeah no you're right you're right black comedy we'll say but you know what i loved
0: it and i wanted to talk about it god damn it yeah and i'm happy to i'm glad that you thought of it and that i could see it again and um really try to take it all in it's i think it's a super freaking cool concept and i think it's awesome
1: yeah okay cool well that's uh next week uh ready or not 2019 uh please uh, head over to our website slumberpodcastmassacre.com um there you can find all our social stuff send us an email slumberpodcast podcast at gmail.com a uh, huge thank to all our patrons uh you help make the show possible uh so thank you for your support um uh, three bucks helps support the show that's it we, and you get to find out like a month in advance what we're doing what a deal uh so that's it for this show tim do you got anything anything at all left to say about <laughs> Shaun of the dead
0: just um just cock it like yes. I, I love the phrase cock it because it's like a nice gentle way to say like fuck it but it's never i don't hear anybody say cock it but never heard it before gonna, or after yeah i'm gonna start using it though because especially even if you throw in the accent like nobody's gonna really know what you're saying yeah but it's that it, it hits it hits the right note and still you charming
1: say. with that accent
0: man yeah cock it. cock it
1: all right cool well we'll cock it next week tim we'll see you later
0: See ya!